With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is Gigabit Nation, broadband talk radio. We're here every week helping private public and nonprofit organizations get broadband everywhere it needs to be. We today are going to talk about broadband and economic development. I think we have uh, highlighted this issue over, over the months, and I think clearly anyone who's involved in broadband understands that there is uh, a major interest in, in using these networks now as an economic engine of one sort or another. So today, our guest is uh, former mayor of Danville, Virginia, uh, Linwood Wright, and he was uh, you know, in um, in Danville and engaged when uh, their network project started. And generally, I'm going to let not steal his thunder, but I'm going to uh, we're going to focus a lot on you know what were the economic conditions then, uh, and then how broadband has improved those. So. Um, Linwood, Mr. Wright, welcome to the show. Glad to have you on board. Well, thank you. I am certainly happy to be here and happy to discuss a subject that is near and dear to my heart. There you go. You are a true believer from everything I've been able to read and find out. So let's uh, let's let's get on with it. So in my uh, background, uh, you know, just digging up information about Danville. It seems like uh, at the beginning of the, I guess, the century, as, as, as it were, to, in 2000, 2001, economically things were a little bit rough for, uh, for, for Danville and it seemed like for the state in general. But give us a picture of what you, you had to deal with at that point in time and then maybe go from that to how that need translated into this desire to put a, a broadband network in place. Well, to describe conditions in Danville at the turn of the century as a little bit rough is certainly a gross understatement. Wow. Uh, The economy of Danville had historically been based on uh, two industries, textile manufacturing and tobacco processing. Both of those industries were being severely impacted by globalization, and uh, we realized in Late 1999, actually, between Christmas and New Year's, a small group of us gathered and discussed what the future of the city looked like, and we agreed that unless we did something differently than we had been doing, we were in for a very, very rough ride. Uh, That, uh, unfortunately, obviously, it, it turned out to be true that we have ultimately lost entirely the textile industry here. And uh, tobacco in the, the tobacco industry is only a tiny fraction of what it once was in the city of Danville. The job losses are in the thousands. Probably at that time, uh, the, the losses have been order of magnitude 5,000 jobs in a city of roughly 45,000 people. Uh, so it was a a huge uh, blow to the city. We felt mm-hmm. that uh, an information network was the most essential thing that we could find to give ourselves some infrastructural basis for economic improvement in Danville. We do not have an interstate highway that bisects the city. But we knew that if we could get an information interstate, we might have an opportunity to compete in the 21st century, and we set about getting that in place. We used some technology that had just been developed at Virginia Tech, did a beta site uh, uh, line or or fiber network, about 30 miles long, uh, and were extremely impressed with the 
results of of that trial, and uh, frankly, the rest is history. We've, we've been <laughs> able to uh, to do a pretty decent job of building information uh, infrastructure, information network infrastructure in the community, and. Uh, I'll let you pull that out of me as we go along. Okay, no, that sounds good. Now, when the initial, call it pilot project started, was that being driven by the IT side, by the utility, or was it economic development? Who who was taking that? I mean, I know it was with the the university, but uh, from a city perspective or a municipal perspective, who, who who were the players involved? The city was not involved in that. That was purely a private sector effort. Uh, oh, okay, I got you. A group of seven of us, uh, and at that point I had uh, completed what I thought was my tour of duty with the city, uh, had uh, opted not to run for re-election in 1998, uh, so I was a private citizen at that point in time. Six others uh, came together. There were a total of seven of us at that time who started uh, meeting and talking about what we could do to... Uh, benefit the economic development of the city, and out of that conversation came the decision to try to do something about uh, showing the value of uh, the Virginia Tech University technology, Uh, and we used primarily private sector funds for that effort. Mm -hmm. And... um... So in a project like that, where you're sort of doing a test, what were the expected outcomes? We or were there expected see, outcomes? Yeah. What we wanted to see was whether this idea of multiple service access points on a, a fiber network would, in fact, work, and they did. Uh, and they we were able to get them on the network at relatively low cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, significantly less than uh, what was then the existing technology. That enabled us to get the city interested and also to get the Virginia Tobacco Commission interested, and the Virginia Tobacco Commission has been the primary benefactor for the larger scale uh, network that we have in place across the, uh, the entire southern tier of the Commonwealth of Virginia. Uh, from the uh, coast, from the Hampton Roads region, over to the far southwest part of the state. And that uh, interconnects along the way with major north-south trunk lines. Mm -hmm. The city decided that it wanted to use the technology, and we certainly supported that effort uh, and gave them, we think, significant political cover to make it happen, Mm -hmm. to... Uh, link all city facilities and public schools, and uh, we, we got outside the city limits and got into the county as a part of that network. And uh, it's it's worked well. We've we've been able to get good communication amongst uh, the city's facilities and the schools. That has naturally led to the uh, provision of such services for uh, industrial sites. Mm -hmm. Was there much opposition at the the time, at least to the city's part of the effort? Not significant. Uh, In these kinds of efforts, uh, we probably tend to uh, plow through some minor opposition, ignore it at uh, if we can. <laughs> That's probably not a politically sound way to do it, but it works here. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it, we were not spending tremendous amounts of city funds or suggesting that they be spent. And uh, we were we were really about trying to prove a, a concept, and knew that uh, if we could prove the concept and if we could build a good in Cross-city network, mm-hmm. it would have tremendous value going forward. Okay, now that uh, was certainly no organized opposition. Let me let me express it that way. Right. Okay, uh, and I guess with with all, I'm assuming now with all of the economic issues at hand, um, the fact that you weren't spending a lot of money, but there was a desperate need to do something that those two probably worked hand in hand. 
than if it was, you know, the bad economic situation and then you were going to also ask for, you know, say, you know, two, three million dollars. Uh, I mean, it seems like he sort of had the, you know, a good, I don't know, combination, if you will, of, of circumstances. We were fortunate in that we got this effort started before we lost Dan River Inc., the big textile manufacturer. We saw it coming. That did not actually happen until about 2006. Oh, okay, so you had a bit of cushion time, sort of. We had a little cushion time, and uh, we were trying to be proactive. Mm-hmm. And uh, in in hindsight, I think that was a wise decision. Right, because I, I, I would guess that – I'm sorry, I don't mean to step in, uh, but I'm, I'm guessing that with the um, focus on the intranet aspect of it, which a number of both my readers and listeners have talked about over the months, having an intranet is often a um, I don't know a strong starting point because it's easy to rally support of the community around it because the bottom line is that you're making government or I guess in this case the public utility more efficient as a result of putting that technology into place. That was extremely well said, Greg. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> but it's a constant theme. I mean, it, you know, I've I've had time to talk to people to actually get to that that conclusion, but it seems like um, you know, that was uh was a point. Now, in today's, you know, economy and issues, do you think the same argument still holds? In other words, if a city came to you and said, "You know, we want to do what you guys did," You know, should we also go look at um, you know the internet as the first step or the foundation to building this infrastructure? We have recommended that to uh, a local community recently who came to see us. Mm-hmm. See what we had done. Yes, I think uh, as maybe as difficult as it may be, uh, it is. It is still darn good advice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, sorry, go ahead. It's good good data interchange mm-hmm. is absolutely essential in today's economy. Without it, I, I think a community is, is just almost dead. Now, how do you start to develop the economic development goals? Um, and, and again, you know, if, if we look at the uh, the, the transition, it start the network started as a city infrastructure. It moved from city government facilities to wiring uh, the schools. Again, a logical progression. But at some point, is there a uh, specific set of activities that says, you know, you know, let's turn this into an economic development engine, or with Danville, that happened by accident more than design? Now, that very definitely happened by design. Okay. Um, it's It was apparent to us that the value uh, of the the information infrastructure was very real. We talked to company prospects, uh, companies who were looking at possibly relocating to Danville, and they confirmed their interest in having uh, good, economically uh, attractive uh, communication uh, infrastructure available, and uh, it it didn't take a particular a particularly large leap of faith uh to get our industrial parks uh all connected via the uh local network what which we call incidentally in Danville mhm now as this was coming together what were the options for businesses? You know, you mentioned, I think, at one point 
that uh, the the, the build-out was less expensive than the alternative when you were doing the pilot project. But what exactly, from a business perspective, what, what were their options? Their options were traditional, uh, large uh, suppliers of uh, Internet connectivity, um, I'm trying to find a way to describe this without getting too specific with trade names. Uh, Not but, as, uh, no, we understand. <laughs> <laughs> the big, the big guys, the major telephone producer uh, suppliers, the mm-hmm. major uh, uh, cable providers were here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were more concerned, as they should be, not being at all critical of this, but they were more concerned with uh, their earnings situation than they were with uh, helping a community that was hard hit Mm -hmm. uh, to start to recover uh, from the economic downturn. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, in that environment, uh, again, uh, I, how how well received were, were your services uh, when they when they were introduced to the business community there? Extremely well received. Uh, it it has been. Uh, almost expressions of gratitude for our having done this. Uh, The business community is saying, we appreciate it, we want to take advantage of it, it's valuable to us. Uh, Some of the things that have happened as a result of having this infrastructure, uh, we now have in the city of Danville uh, a pretty major installation of a Cray XMT2 computer, mm-hmm. current state-of-the-art of, the art of uh, supercomputers for uh, graph analytics, uh, operated by a think tank that has his, uh, traditionally been located in northern Virginia. They're able to move uh, their information across the, uh, the Internet using... Uh, in Danville Fiber and uh, the the um, Mid Atlantic Broadband infrastructure, uh, at a more competitively attractive cost than they could uh, from their traditional location in Northern Virginia. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely uh, definitely warm uh, warm reception for the for the technology. Which you know makes a lot of sense, and it again very consistent with what we see in other communities. Now, I know that you don't get deep into the technology side. I mean, you personally, but um, where did where does um, wireless fit into uh, the equation, or how does it fit into the equation? I don't get deeply enough into the technology to really be able to answer that question as a gross uh, overly simplified statement I think wireless uh, compared to the uh, the fiber network that we're using it's simply too slow can't get the speeds can't get the bandwidth that is my understanding right but I would assume that um well there's you know I sort of look at there's two sides of the equation I mean you have your um like your data centers and so forth that are using you know tremendous amount of bandwidth, which makes sense but i i I know that a number of cities uh towns have used wireless as part of the equation to either reach hard to reach communities or and or and or they use it to um to stimulate the downtown. Uh, economy by putting hot zones throughout the area. We are and, doing that. Oh, so you are doing that, okay? We are doing that. Now, have have do you, do, do the retail um, uh, the 
retail stores and so forth? I mean, is that something that they are in tune with? Do they see an impact, you know, on their business as a result of this? I am not aware that the Wi-Fi zones have had tremendous impact uh, on in the, uh, commercial development in in the uh, center of the city. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that they haven't, but I am not aware that they have. Mm-hmm. Actually, I should probably backtrack at this point a little bit. The uh, the network that you guys have built is an open access network, but you don't provide the actual retail services, right? That is correct. Okay. Um, do you have any focus on the uh, residential side? Not yet. We okay. are beginning. That is in the very early stages of development, uh, beginning to investigate and and do some beta test uh, development uh, to uh, expand our our services uh, to uh, residential uh, areas. Again, not doing the 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 last mile. I think is the is the term of art. Mm-hmm. But uh, to get the network. Uh, on uh, the, the city utility system along the the streets in residential areas so that uh, private suppliers can, in fact, uh, offer the service uh, via contract with the city uh, to residential uh, consumers. Mm-hmm. hope that made some sense. Yeah, it, it's a... Um a graduated process of bringing in third-party providers to deliver the service. And I would assume, or maybe I shouldn't assume, that uh, people will or, or, or ISPs will be brought in based in some part on, on the needs that have, that have been identified. For example, you know, you have certain industrial parks, right? They they demand a certain type of service. Uh, residential clearly demands a different type of service. All obviously can be de- delivered over the same core infrastructure, but at you know at the at the doorstep, you know, it may look a little different in terms of who's uh, who's providing that. And um, now one of the reasons that we typically see this happen, you know, where uh, the city will build the the core infrastructure and then they bring on um, third parties, if you will, or ISPs to deliver the service. Are are you familiar with how that process is going? In other words, what kinds of providers have stepped up to be uh, providing services on your network? You know, are there... Uh, I don't know, consumer-oriented ISPs, are they smaller? Do they tend to be just the larger companies? Right now, they tend to be smaller, locally owned. Mm-hmm. Now, do you do specific, I don't know, marketing or promotion to uh, that group? And I bring this question up because a number of communities uh, that I've talked to are experiencing some difficulty getting uh third parties to come in and provide service for for a number of reasons um and i'm just wondering you know what you have seen as far as you know either a willingness or a reluctance on the part of providers to to be part of your network to the best of my knowledge we have not experienced that reluctance uh i think it may be a little early uh in the local situation uh to judge that uh, accurately, uh, and then also figure out what the what the respective ISPs business models are going to be, and so forth. So yeah, I, I, I just think it's a little too early to, okay. to really have a handle on that. Gotcha. Now, in terms of successes. Uh, I've written about a couple, but you know, better to hear it straight from the source. What have been some of your biggest economic development wins as a result of this network? Well, I think the Cray computer is is certainly the one that I point to as uh, 
the most dramatic win. Uh, let's describe it that way. Uh, we have we have seen significant uh, influence of of the uh, of the network on uh, smaller businesses, uh, even some startup businesses. Particu- one in, in, in particular is a uh, an aircraft maintenance company that uh, has a significant need for high speed uh, very reliable uh, network communication uh, with its primary customers uh, who are airlines. Mm-hmm. That company has located here recently, and uh, we are we're certainly excited to have them here. And they seem to be very excited uh, with the uh, service that they're getting, mm-hmm. and and say that they are almost shocked at the speed uh, uh, that they can transmit data. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the uh, discussions that happens in some economic development professional circles is the question of, are the initial efforts of the network, should they go toward current businesses or should they go toward drawing in new businesses that might bring, you know, with each new business a, you know, large number of jobs, say 100 or 500 or something like that. From your experience, you know, where's the balance point? You know, do you give equal time to both efforts? Do you, you know, focus heavily on one at the beginning and then the second on the, you know, down the road a piece? Where where do you where do you see this kind of um balancing out? I have a hard time really making that distinction in value to an existing business versus a newcomer business. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all have have seen the numbers and, and, and understand that uh, more economic development occurs from existing business than from brand new business. Uh, mm-hmm. That's certainly uh, the, the rule of thumb uh, amongst economic developers. Uh, but if if the if the network makes sense for a business it makes little difference whether that business is new or old and i don't see i'm not aware of many businesses today that don't need more and more uh, information communication capacity so mm-hmm. i don't i don't i just don't uh, see much much likelihood that there will be significant differences between uh value to uh existing business versus value to a new business we don't make we don't make a conscious effort to to distinguish between those two categories. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it will it, it, be interesting, I guess, to see how this uh, this plays out. I know that in certain rural communities, like, for example, I was talking to people in um, Wisconsin, a really small town of about four or 5,000 in, in Wisconsin, and um, they, for the most part, feel that um, they are happy, obviously, to have any large company that would consider relocating there, but their um, steady economic improvement has come from um, supporting businesses that may only represent five or six or ten jobs per business. And as each one of those adds a couple of people here, a couple of people there, it it has a significant impact on the local economy. So I guess it's sort of in a scaled-down environment. Uh, people say, well, you know, if, if you get the network to encourage someone to start a business and five or eight people get jobs as a result of that, that's a big win for a small town. Absolutely. 
And I think we are all experiencing, uh, I think the nation is experiencing uh, more small growth, uh, from more growth from small businesses than from the uh, Fortune 50 corporations. Mm-hmm. So now, did you guys have a specific planning exercise just for the economic development aspect? We have had yes. So now, how and, do those we do? How do those it's, come it's together? Like how? Thing. I'm sorry. Say that again. I say it's an ongoing effort. Ah, okay. Because, you know, a lot of the listeners to the show are trying to sort out how do they put together, uh, you know, a planning effort, how do they move the project forward. You know, from from your perspective, you know, how how do you do that? Who do you call together? Do you have one big long planning session? Do you have a lot of small ones or small, I don't know, subgroups or what have you? Like to you, what would a typical economic development planning exercise look like? to take advantage of broadband? My advice. <laughs> and, Please, and it's definitely. Basically what we do. It's basically what we do. Mm-hmm. You are consciously aware of what's going on every day. I do not believe, and I think I speak uh, for the city when I say that there is no set formula to to make economic development successful. Mm-hmm. The, it's, it's a very opportunistic business that demands flexibility. The certain infrastructure is absolutely essential. And I consider broadband as essential as electricity, water, wastewater, and natural gas for any business, big or small. We believe that there must be a reasonably good inventory of sites, (laughs) (laughs) S-I-T-E-S, available uh, to, to meet the needs of prospective businesses. Again, be they large or be they small. And uh, a lot of thinking outside the box. Mm -hmm. We, at one time in in the history of Danville, economic development here was a fairly uh, set, uh, rigidly uh, format, and times have changed, and that format just doesn't work anymore. So do we... Do we have a strategic plan? Yes, but it is very flexible, and it is subject to uh, rapid uh, modification with the overarching caveat that we must not lose focus. Mm -hmm. There are some industries that don't make sense for us. And we we need to be careful not to fall in love with something that is not a good fit. If it's not a good fit for the either for the expansion of an existing company or a good fit for the location of a new company, it is not in the best interest of the city to try to market and and entice uh, those kinds of prospects to locate here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has to be a two-way street. But the the presence of, of excellent data communication is an essential part of being attractive and, and, and being a good fit for anything, really. Do you have examples of what might be, in, in you know, for Danville, understanding, by the way, what's Danville's population? Danville's population right now is about uh, 44,000. Okay. So given your economic, you know, situation, circumstances, location, and, you know, population, 
what kinds of businesses make sense for the city to attract, what kinds don't make sense to attract for you? The kinds of businesses that make sense for us to try to attract are businesses that uh, can take advantage of our mid-east coast location. Uh, it it doesn't make sense for us to to try to bring companies that are that their product is going to need to be uh distributed uh primarily uh on the west coast uh it or really in in the in the real core regions of of the midwest uh Geographic location is is a, is a key part of a good fit, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we need to be very careful to bring businesses, or try to bring businesses here that uh, have a reasonable chance of getting good a, a, a good labor force. Uh, I think the labor force is one of the keys to successful economic development now, uh, and I hear this from more essentially everybody with whom I speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, what have you got that uh, that your people can realistically do? If if we needed, for example. To uh, even even in the high tech area, if we needed uh, 500 programmers, it's not likely to be a good fit for us. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if we need 10 programmers, 20 programmers, uh, this could be a very good fit. Um, again, I think the the issue is don't overreach. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you can realistically expect to to achieve. Okay. I want to take this opportunity to ask if anyone in the audience wants to call in with a with a question. We're gonna we're gonna venture down the path of call in radio here. Uh, there's a dial in number. It's three two three six seven nine zero eight four five. So if someone has a question for uh, Mayor Wright, then let's uh, bring those in. Let's see what happens. Um, in the meantime, uh, let me also ask a question about um, the, the medical uh, segment of your community. One of the things that was explained from the Economic Development Office was that um, there's a main medical facility there that uses broadband to, to basically link in uh, community clinics, and I'm assuming also the uh, physicians and doctors and so forth, to in essence create a medical uh, slash telemedicine component of the network, and that has been a useful tool in drawing new business. I'm wondering if you can speak to that a little bit. It has been a very useful tool. It's also interesting that that business, uh, from the purely commercial side, was developed by a local physician who also was the first uh, ISP provider, ISP <laughs> provider, I'm being mm. redundant there. Uh, but, oh, we understand uh, what you meant. <laughs> uh, he started uh, our first, my first access to the Internet was through his local business. Mhm. So he is a he's a network geek in addition to being an outstanding nephrologist. Mhm. But the growth of his network using uh the local uh network 
the End Anvil Network and Mid-Atlantic Broadband, uh, has been phenomenally successful. That has helped us in recruiting physicians and in expanding the uh, residency program at the local hospital. Mm-hmm. And, of course, physicians are are really a part of the economic engine of any community. Mm-hmm. And uh, a, a strong medical community is one of those things that uh, communities such as ours must have if we're going to attract new businesses. Mm-hmm. So, so you see a very definite tie between the two, you know, between a good um, medical or a, a good, I don't know, technologically advanced medical community and the ability for that for that community to to do well and to expand. I definitely do. Uh, the uh, the presence of a of a strong medical community is really an essential component of a strong economic community, a community that is economically strong. Mm -hmm. Now, in in terms of the, call it the geography of, of, of your area, are most of your residents inside a, what I would call a more of an urban uh, setting, or are there a lot of people, I don't know, spread out in in, in sort of the typical rural dispersed uh, manner? Meaning, there's not necessarily like people right next to each other. There's distances between homes and families and all of that. How how are you set ge- geographically? Virginia is a very interesting state. I'll give you a little background on local government in Virginia. If you live in a city. You do not live in a county. Okay. So neither or huh? Virginia has independent cities, only state in the union with that local government structure. Therefore, if you are in the city of Danville, and uh, the utility department is a function of the city of Danville, it's 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 an entity of the city of Danville. Uh, you are by definition involved in a in an urban setting um, in the Commonwealth of Virginia we cannot uh, annex huge chunks of uh, county land anymore mm-hmm. uh, at one time we could and we did but uh, no longer so yes Danville Danville is by definition a an urban area, not not an extremely congested urban area, but mm-hmm. uh, an urban area nevertheless. Okay. Now, will the network ever have any impact on the uh, any of the surrounding counties, or will it strictly just be within the city limits of Danville? It already has some impact on uh, Pennsylvania County, which is the surrounding county, because mm-hmm. it's it it does extend into the county and it is servicing county schools. Okay. And that's uh, I don't know, that that's all part of the same network build out that's or did they have the to same network. Okay. Interesting. The, cities, the city does supply utility services to a fairly broad swath of the county. Mhm. Not all of the county, but a significant part of the county. Now, was it easy to, um, as a utility, as a as a public utility, was it easy to incorporate the business operations of a network? Uh, in, in other words, you know, you, as a utility, you have, you know, you you bill customers, you recruit customers, or or you know, you market customers to bring them in. Albeit, there probably aren't any competitors, but I mean, you have a customer service process in place. You have a, a technical support process in place. Were all of those adaptive to to having a broadband business, or did you guys have to modify some of the internal structure as a result of the broadband business? So far as I know, it was relatively easy. Okay. Did they have any problems? I'm sure they did. <laughs> but uh, were they extremely difficult problems? I do not think so. Okay. 
Now, were there any particular challenges from an economic development uh, implementation standpoint? Meaning, uh, you know, you, you you sit down to you know use this network to have some sort of economic impact. You know, you're going to improve the local business, going to attract new business. Uh, you know, we talked about the the medical healthcare side of things, but were there particular challenges to the economic development objectives that were set that you guys had to overcome? Only opportunities. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> Only opportunities. Well, were there grand opportunities that caused people to stop and ponder <laughs> as a result as you move this move this thing forward? No, no. Uh, the it it made so much sense. Uh, do we do we stop and and ponder today uh, this far down the road? Uh, how can we better utilize this asset? Yes, we do that, and obviously we should continue to do that. Uh, but uh, it's do, do we have do we have doubts that uh, this is now. Uh, proving to be beneficial? No, we don't. Mm-hmm. Do we have do we have struggles to to make it uh, make it a more viable possibility? No, we don't. If if we ever did, and frankly, I don't think we ever did. I I, I think it just it, it made so much sense from from the start that. Uh, we were looking for ways to market the the, the asset uh, to uh, to make it more meaningful. That uh, we never considered it uh, any kind of an impediment or any kind of untoward, difficult uh, operation operationally. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it going to be that easy to get it expanded into uh, household use? That may be tougher. How so? Uh, that may be a more difficult marketing thing. People may not be quite as willing to uh, to incur the cost. I, I don't have a good feel for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would not surprise me if it took uh, more effort uh, on the part of uh, the utility department to build a really strong uh, retail customer base uh, through its suppliers. It's it's one of those things where when you're not doing the last mile of service, you're more dependent on the ISPs and if their customer service lacks something if their serv- any kind of their service lacks something uh the utility department may not be in a position to fix it but it may get blamed for it mm-hmm. with with an industrial customer you you obviously you're dealing with a order of magnitudes uh fewer people fewer entities and you can address issues quickly and and work the work through those. Uh, mm-hmm. I, th- I think the I think the residential business will prove to be somewhat more of a challenge. Uh, it probably is well worth uh, trying to meet that challenge. But uh, my my guess is it will be more challenging than the than the commercial or industrial business has been. Mm-hmm. And that's that is purely a personal uh, opinion, right? But but you have you know perspectives, so I, I think that I, that makes. I a lot have of no sense. idea whether the, the the folks at the utility department would share my belief there, but uh, mm-hmm. you've heard my reasons <laughs> and the basis for my conclusion. But on the other hand, knowing what I know of of other communities' projects. I think that you're right about the fact that if there if something does go wrong, even if it's an ISP issue, 
then by virtue of the fact that the city's name is attached to the process, no one doesn't really sort out and say, oh, well, you know, the city's not responsible because they're only the wholesaler. It's more that, you know, this is the city's network, so I'm going to call the city. Yeah, I'm going to call City Hall, yeah. you know, which happens a lot of times. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, and so it does it does present its own uh, particular challenge, no, no doubt about that. Um, where, the, where the city can do something, and... And I would uh, argue that the city's, the city utility department's customer service is absolutely outstanding. But uh, there, it's got full control. Mm-hmm. And I always you... worry about having full control. So. Mm-hmm. so, in this wholesale model that you folks have, are you spared a lot of competitive? Issues. In other words, you know, my because my assumption would be, well, if if we're, you know, if we the city are the wholesaler, we hold the network. The only competition that's going to happen is going to happen in in the last mile space, and that doesn't really affect us because no one's going to build another wholesale network infrastructure. Um, is is that assumption correct, or are there competitive factors that do come into into play here? Well, I'd like to think that. Uh we have some protection from uh uh hurdles to entry mhm that's that's a nice way of saying it. i think you're right <laughs> fair enough fair enough that does make uh that does make a lot of sense do you get a lot of calls by the way do people you know dial up and say hey you know can you help us figure out some answers to questions here not really no no uh one of the ladies in our office probably gets more calls than I do uh, mm. on on this particular subject, uh, but uh, the the calls I get are usually, uh, "Hey, do you think we can take advantage of this or that?" And I usually can say, "Yes, I think we can. Let's uh, let's sit down and figure out how to do it." Mm-hmm. Now, what about managing expectations? There have definitely been some projects that have run into trouble because every, you know people expected a lot. I mean, they expected their world to change, and the project team or the office managing the the network more fed into that sort of grand expectation as opposed to modified it. You know, in your situation, have you had? issues with expectations of people wanted more, expected more, or or how have you managed to, to keep expectations under under control? I think we probably have more issues of managing expectations in the overall uh arena of economic development than we do uh broadband supply. Mm-hmm. Uh the average uh, guy on the street uh is not that aware or that attuned to uh, the details of of broadband. Uh, now, do they expect uh, economic development uh, to to literally work miracles? Absolutely, they do. Uh, how many jobs have you brought me today? Attitude. That's that's where we really do have to to pay particular attention uh, to managing expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, Are there some specific tactics that you've used to manage those expectations? Uh, we constantly struggle to find better ones. Uh, we we have we have begun to pay particular attention to how we make announcements. Uh, it's it's awfully easy, I think, to uh, in in making a an economic development announcement to offer too much assurance that things are actually going to. Uh, to take place in the next uh, six or eight months and uh, generate uh, 
pull a number out, uh, 500 jobs, and uh, things never happen quite as rapidly as we would like to think they will. Therefore, uh, we run into those situations that, uh, you know, the economy turned down a little bit. Uh, we didn't anticipate uh, as as much uh, difficulty finding financing as we've actually had. Uh, all kinds of things slowed us down. Uh, we're going to get there, but... Those are the problems that we have to deal with on an ongoing basis, and if we if we can can control a little bit the the enthusiasm at the time of making the uh, announcement, I think we have a lot better shot at uh, keeping expectations under reasonable control. Well, I think you have uh, tied into something actually quite uh, uh, profound in its simplicity, you know, because uh, interestingly enough, there was a big government announcement last week about uh, an executive order by the president, which would would mandate that for government projects that are going to tear up the landscape, you know, dig up trenches or whatever, that conduit would be laid. And uh, the idea being that you know if you're if you're building a network from scratch, one of your biggest costs is tearing up streets and sidewalks and and all of that. And so if you can eliminate that cost, it has a significant saving. And so the press release comes out, and one of the things in the press release is that this is going to save ninety percent of the cost of building a network, which is basically the one sentence that more news outlets, private than anything else, you know. Uh, tied into, whereas, you know, people who are involved with um, building broadband networks, you know, in the various LinkedIn groups and so forth that I use, were saying that, yes, it will be a significant saving, but I think the PR person got a little overzealous at 90%, <laughs> and I think that that's the, you know, that's the point that you're making is that when we yeah, when yeah. government and make those announcements. It's, you don't want to be... To sound pessimistic, you don't want to discourage anybody's enthusiasm. But, darn it, there is a limit to what we should be saying. And uh, how how do we... I don't want anybody to think I'm suggesting that we, that we spin the news or, or, or tweak it to the point that it's less than totally accurate. But on the other hand, I think it is just essential that we don't overpromise and underdeliver. It's so much better to uh, underpromise and overdeliver uh, than than the opposite. Uh, and, and we need to we need to be sure that we're we're at least consciously aware. Of the risk that we may be running uh, in in terms of of overpromising. Yes, I will I will definitely agree with you on that wholeheartedly, and I think that we have seen some of those you know time and 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 time again as we've gone through broadband stimulus and you know because a lot of the broadband stimulus campaign at the beginning was all about you know the economic development impact. And so here we are now, two years later, and people are saying, "Well, where, where are all the jobs? Where are all this? Where's that?" You know, and, and a lot of that comes from that whole expectations management um, exercise. And so, and, you know, it may have taken uh, two years to get the infrastructure in place. You know, mm-hmm. Moving, moving infrastructure, and this is so. Horribly true in rural areas. Uh, the, the the density is not there, and that's a place that I think maybe wireless will ultimately uh, provide a, a a good solution. But uh, when when you've got uh, houses that are a mile apart, uh, nobody can can quite afford the uh, the infrastructure so if we use federal money to get there uh short of 
making it an issue of national security, and I don't think we can show that, it's going to take a while to to gradually build it up. I'm old enough to remember uh, how the rural electric uh, co-ops uh, electrified rural America. And uh, that uh, there was still major major electrification of rural America going on well after the, the close of World War II. Great. Now, we're going to have to cut you off there. We've come to the end of our show, but this has been an uh, excellent conversation, and I want to thank you very much for being our guest today. We'll talk thank again soon. Thank you for soon. recognizing that Danville exists. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. You guys exist and are doing well, and we'll keep tabs on you for sure. Okie dokie. All right. Take care and have a good day. Thanks, Greg. All righty. Bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.